Have you been struggling to make solid cinematic films? Do you watch other filmmakers and wonder why their products look so good? You need training. Good, specialized training. Something that is easy to digest and that you can take safely at home. I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about full-time filmmaker. Parker Wahlbeck and his team have put together an amazing course with over 400 training videos. Everything from Wedding Video Pro with Jake Weisler to how to edit with Premiere or Final Cut. Imagine getting proper, real-world training you can do at home. Imagine the impact that would have on your work, your skills increase, your quality increases, and then so do your prices. Click on our affiliate link below, take the free online training on their top 10 secrets to achieving cinematic shots, and see what full-time filmmaker can do for you. We did it, and it propelled our business. for Beginners Podcast. I am your host, Phil Beabout, and welcome to episode two with Brittany. Hello, hello. So I guess I should say I am one of two hosts now. For today. So today we want to talk about working with a second shooter or being a good second shooter. And what what I want to cover is just like what to look for, what to do as a second, and everything that we're going to talk about can really go both ways. So it's really important that the lead shooter is applying the same things that we're talking about the second shooter being good at, if that makes sense. Because this 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 will be able to go to go both ways. Would you like to say anything before we begin? Tread lightly. Oh. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. All right, so the vast majority of the weddings that I have shot this year in 2020, I have done alone. I've done every wedding but one by myself, and I hate it. I think it stinks. We obviously did it because we didn't want you know, a babysitter coming in the house and we didn't want, you know, both of us being out and about. So it was, it was much more beneficial for me to just shoot them all by myself. But I am not a fan of being a solo shooter. And I know there are plenty of people are, and I'm not bagging on what they do. In fact, I got a ton of respect for what they do because it's, it's kind of a nightmare. So having a second shooter, I think is better for everyone, at least in my case. I think it's better for me personally. It's better for my stress level. And it's also better for the couple. So I would highly recommend using a second shooter. Now, mind you, if having a second shooter ain't your thing, that's cool. But I, in our case, I definitely recommend it. And in our case, my second shooter is Brit. That's right. Do you want to talk about all the good things that a second shooter does? I mean, what do you mean all the good things? I mean, we're there. To I'm only do... kidding. I have all the notes in front of me. <laughs> so <laughs> Everything together. So I, I would say that our biggest hurdle with the two of us shooting is childcare. Yeah. 
I think that that's kind of the biggest, our biggest issue. Now, mind you, the couple does not care about our childcare issues. So I'm not trying to say like, oh, what was right. me? They and don't, we don't, they don't give a crap. Yeah. So. We don't even put that on anyone. That's our personal dilemma when it comes to, uh, you know, part of our business and part of being a team and having a family. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, it's, it'd be nice if we had some family members that lived anywhere remotely close to us, but, uh, but I guess we're the ones that moved away. Yeah, so. we did move. We can't blame anyone else for that. So, you know, I know in episode 10, we talked about like ways to make extra money and that kind of stuff. And one of the things that we talked about in that episode was second shooting, just in general terms. And I firmly believe if you're looking to try to make extra money, uh, second shooting is a a really viable option. And... Uh, I second shoot, I bleed shoot for other companies. I second shoot, et cetera. And a really, a really good example, not to name drop, uh, is a little long distance. So a little long distance is a significantly talented wedding videography company. I think they're based out of Colorado. I think it's Tennessee. Tennessee. Oh, same thing. It's around the same area. Yeah. Right. Uh, but they they reached out to us because they needed a second shooter because they were doing a wedding was Maine. Yes. And unfortunately, I couldn't do it. Unfortunately, fortunately. Yeah, well, yeah. So, I, yeah, I couldn't do it because we were already booked. And, you know, while second shooting for somebody like that would have been completely amazing, the wedding that I shot instead was a portfolio piece. So it was one of those things where that wedding's on our website. Like that's, that was like our ideal couple and that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, it was, it was, a uh, it was a very sad, it was a sad and joyous occasion at the same time. But the, um, I did joke with them about if they had any other weddings coming up and they said no. And I, I told them that I'd, I'd set up their Google ads out here to <laughs> try to bring them back out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that second shooting is a it's a really good thing to earn extra money. And then I also think that having some other type of person, it doesn't necessarily need to be a second shooter, maybe, but having someone else there with you on a wedding day, I think is it, it reduces just a, a ton of stress. Yeah, but just to add to the benefits of second shooting, it's also nice to see how other people operate. And, um, the experience that you gain from that is also something that is unbelievably beneficial. Yeah. All right. So let, let's talk about some things about when, what you should be doing just if, if you are a second shooter. And when I'm talking about these things, I also want people who want to use a second shooter to be thinking about these because some of these can go in reverse. So I think that a having a good second shooter is really, really hard to come by. I think that people, not everyone, but people can be horribly unreliable and getting somebody who, you know, will show up to the wedding on time with all of their stuff every time that you ask them to do it is very difficult. So when you find a good, reliable second shooter, that's like, you know, finding gold. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think that having your own equipment is a plus, but I don't think that that's a necessity. And why I say that is because there are plenty of people like us 
I have five cameras. We have five cameras, little excessive. Uh, but if somebody were to second shoot for us, we could, or third shoot for that matter, we could actually, they could just utilize our equipment. Like I, you know, I don't need microphones. I don't need anything. I have, I have everything on my own. So there, there are two pieces with that. And what I mean by, because I said that, you know, having your own equipment or us having our own equipment, what, what I mean by that is if you needed a second shooter and you were coming in from out of town, let's say like a little long distance and they were flying from Tennessee to Maine, if they had a reliable second shooter on the East coast, and I'm just using us as an example, just because of what I just said, but if they had a reliable second shooter on the East coast, that person could bring all the equipment with them to the ceremony. So like in our case, if a little long distance, you know, if we were doing stuff with them, we could have theoretically brought the mics, the lighting, all the stuff that they would no longer need to pack. So that is something to think about if you are looking for a second shooter and you are traveling around. If your second shooters have all the equipment that you need and they're local, then that makes your life exponentially easy because you don't need to fly with much of anything because you can just rely on what they have. Yeah, if they use the same cameras. Yeah, I mean, one one thing that I've noticed is when when you get to like a certain level of videography, you can just shoot with a smartphone and make something that's wicked. You don't need, you know, that's just my personal thought. But uh, a let's say that you you didn't have your own equipment at all and you're just trying to trying to earn extra money you're trying to save up money to buy that equipment one thing that i would highly recommend is when you reach out to people like say you were getting a hold of us and you were like hey you know i'd like to you know tag along etc cetera, etc cetera. uh I, I would assume that you don't know how to use the panasonic systems so we have s5s gh5s and a gh5s so then it would be in our best interest if prior to the wedding like say a week or a month or whatever we actually showed you how to use the equipment and that does two things one it as the second shooter it now gives me some confidence in how to use the equipment and two as the lead shooter now i am ensuring that you know how to use the equipment on the wedding day like those are two big pieces for both the person who needs a second and the second like i am i am a you know back to those extreme ownership episodes i am a big proponent of you are your own you know, you're the master of your own destiny. And if you are just relying on somebody to show up and say, oh, I know how to use everything. I learn better if I just shoot with it rather than train on it, et cetera, et cetera. Then you're, you're setting yourself up for some, for some strange shots. So why are you laughing, Britt? There have been some times, <laughs> some incidences. So you know, I, or some other things to think about is if like for us, 
because we shoot with Panasonic, it would be better for me personally to second shoot for people that also have a Panasonic, you know, whether that's GH5, S5, White and Reverie. I know you guys use the same stuff as we do. So if you need me a second shoot for you, don't hesitate to ask. Anyways, the uh, what I'm getting at is if you're working in the same system, then you wouldn't need to be trained up at it as much. You'd probably need to learn some things about how they compose shots, how they're framing shots, et cetera, et cetera. But if you're using the same family, whether that's Canon, Nikon, you know, Panasonic or Sony, uh, it would be easier for you to start second shooting with them. So I think that's, that's one, that's another route to look at. Uh, and sorry, I'm looking at my notes right now. And my sentence doesn't make any sense. I just, I think that, you know, finding somebody to, who has similar equipment to you is a great idea or, just be really be willing to learn how to use another, you know, another camera. If you have to rent one, rent one. I mean, that's, that's fine too. I, um, you know, we, we've had people reach out to us to kind of backfill for them. So next year is just for everybody kind of across the board next year is just a train wreck. And we were shooting weddings for other filmmakers in our area and then they're going to edit it and that kind of stuff. So we're shooting under their brand. We're, you know what I mean? We're not, and I'm going to get the brand here in a second, but the, uh, it's, we're, we're doing it with people that were in the same family of cameras. So they use Panasonic, we use Panasonic. So, you know, colors are, you know, going to match and that kind of stuff. It just, it just kind of makes, makes things easier. And what I wanted to talk about with brand is if you are second shooting or lead shooting for somebody do not try to cannibalize your brand with theirs. Like it is really taboo to promote your own brand when you are second shooting for someone else. Like hypothetically, if I would have done, you know, the, the shoot, the shot, shoot, shoot, is that the word? The shoot with a little long distance. And then I would have just talked to the couple about be about exposure. That would have been a significant problem. Like you, you can't do that. You'll, you'll ruin your reputation real quick. Uh, and one thing that we did find with reputations and that kind of stuff is the wedding videography is actually really small community. Oh yeah. Like it's, it is nowhere near as big as what you think it is. Like that's, <laughs> that's it was kind of shocking. So you, your reputation is going to be really, really important and you don't want to be trying to, you know, throw people your business cards and that kind of stuff when, when, second shooting. yeah, when you're second shooting, like that's just, that's not cool. Um, I would, is there anything you want to add to that before I, uh, no, no. All right. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> all right. So I, I think that as a second shooter, you also need to, uh, provide things. And what I mean by providing things is you need to like, if, if the groom needs mic'd, you need to be on it, mic in the groom. If light stands need to be put up, you need to be putting the light stands up. If you know, you got to be carrying equipment, you got to be, you know, moving gear from point A to point B. Like, I, I think that you need to be, you need to be working like really hard. And what I know that that sounds really ridiculous, but I'm being dead serious. Like if the, the way that you are carrying yourself, the way that you are interacting with people, the way that you're working with the lead, whether that's, 
you know, moving stuff from point A to point B or saying, you know, Hey, um, I'm going to head over to the groom suite. I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the the prep for, I'm going to get groom prep right now where you're getting bride prep stuff. I don't need to be glued to your hip, et cetera, et cetera. I think that all of those will start to resonate with the lead videographer. And you're going to hear me say this over and over and over again, but you want to make yourself indispensable. Like you want to make it to where that lead shooter always thinks to themselves, I need so-and-so with me when I'm shooting. Like that's the kind of reputation and that's, that's what you need to be thinking about in the back of your head when you're actually doing, doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think that just goes in line with anticipating the needs of the wedding day, um, being flexible yet, you know, receptive to, I mean, on the wedding day, things change and they can change fast. And, you know, having to divide and conquer, we've had to do that um, a number of times. And some of those times I wasn't exactly the most comfortable or felt that I was capable. But I also think that those were the times that I shined brightest when it was like our new venture of doing this together. And... Um, you know, being indispensable is anyone that can trust you to show up and perform. And, uh, yeah, I think that being someone's second shooter can be an awesome experience. And, you know, if ever it gets to the point where you're going to branch out on your own, not in a couple like situation, but, um, second shooting for someone could then bounce back and then you second shoot for them or, you know, whatever, knowing each other's styles. Yeah. I mean, let's, uh, what? I just totally ad-libbed that. You did. It was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) This is, uh, so let's take a quick break. Uh, I want to keep talking about what makes a good second shooter. Um, I want to want to finish that kind of conversation. I want to go into communication about like what what good communication looks like between the lead and the second shooter. And then I also want to talk. I want to touch a little bit about uh, after action reports. So that's that's going to be a riot. So let's let's take a break and then we'll we will be right back. Do you still email a PDF for a contract? Are you struggling to remember who you sent files to or what those files were? You need a solid CRM, a customer relation management tool, a program that will send professional files and contracts all on your behalf. One that does not need to be printed, signed, and emailed back. Is this the Stone Age? You need HoneyBook. We've been using them for years now, and it increased our productivity by taking menial tasks and automating them. You can set up custom workflows to automatically send emails, payment reminders, thank you responses, etc. You can send brochures, questionnaires, and invoices too. We have three set up. One for when a couple inquires, one for after a call with a couple, and one for a booked wedding with nine steps. That saves us so much time on the back end. What would you do with more time? Spend more time with your family, spend more time working on creative projects, or just simply relaxing. Use our affiliate link below to save 50% on your first year. Go ahead. It's on us. Start saving time and money today. All right, everybody. Welcome back from break. 
Uh, like I said, I wanted to keep talking about what makes a good second shooter and then what, what you should be doing as a second shooter. So let, let's keep going. So I also think that one of the, the big things that you could be doing is paying attention to detail. And what I mean by that is I know it sounds really cliche, but if a bride's dress needs fluffed or something like that, you're on it. You are the one that is noticing these little things that the lead is not and that you are taking care of them. Uh, you know, don't be afraid to jump in and fix something that you think is wrong. You know, if you see something that you think is wrong and the lead doesn't see it, then you should be jumping in and doing something to fix it. And Just not- a little side note. Oh boy, here we go. Um, you can't just... So for us, it's different. We can, I can stop you and say, Hey, like I need a fluffer dress or whatever, but I don't know that a second shooter for someone that they may not know wants to jump out of their lane like that. Like stop, stop, stop. Like, let me fix her dress. Well, I'm not saying like jump on a grenade. I'm saying if you got to get a fluff a dress like in between shots or something that you take care of it, not that you step in front of the camera and you're. No, I know. I just, I think that our relationship warrants me to do whatever I need to do. And I'm not going to have any serious backlash. Like, I'm just saying like someone who is a lead shooter who maybe a little more, I don't know, stiff might be offended or take, I don't know, offense to you uh, jumping in on their shoot. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand. I just, I think that, I think that if you go in to do something just as ridiculous as fluffing a bride's dress because it looks too flat and the lead shooter is, angry or thinks that they've they've stepped on or that you've stepped on their toes and that kind of stuff that just like how we want to find the ideal couple maybe shooting for that person isn't a good idea either yeah like i was just you know that's just my personal but like i wouldn't be mad at somebody if i was doing something wrong and somebody like say stopped me or said hey you know you got to go do do this instead of that I don't know what that is. I can't think of an example of that right now, but I just, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold that against somebody. No, you're right. And those are the people that you want to work for people that are receptive and feedback is a gift. Want that. I'm just saying that you might find yourself in a sticky situation. You have to gauge the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I think that it's just kind of going along with that. I think everybody talks about serving the couple, like just over and over and over again. Like you hear that, like you got to serve the couple, serve the couple, serve the couple. And I, but I also think that as a lead or as a second shooter, you also need to think about serving the lead shooter too. Like if you, you put yourself in that mentality and like you. Well, yeah, you definitely need to anticipate the, the needs of the situation. Um, you need to be receptive to taking guidance or, you know, if they need something, but they shouldn't also have to ask for anything. Um, yeah, you should anticipate what's about to happen. Like you should be trying to anticipate like, hey, we're moving into reception. I should probably grab the lights. Yeah, it's crunch time or yeah, 
we're, mean, we're setting up for the ceremony. Like I, I know that at the very least I need to get these tripods deployed. Yeah. Like that's, you know, you should, you should be trying to anticipate, um, what's going on. And I mean, you know, when I'm talking about serving things, like I'm, I'm even talking about just little tiny things that you wouldn't really think of, like getting somebody water, things that are really easy to do that would probably make a lasting impression. Like if you're four hours in and you grab a bottle of water and you grab another bottle of water for the lead shooter and you're like, hey, hey, I got your bottle of water. Like that kind of stuff goes a long way. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, it's a little different because we're married. We can anticipate each other's needs probably better than the average. Well, yeah, we don't really count. I mean, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. you right. would just tell me to go to the car and get some water. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. no. um, so I, I, the, the key thing is to constantly be working on your reputation and like I said, you always want to be thinking in the back of your head, like if this is a person that I want to continue to work for, I need to make myself a necessity to where every time that they book a wedding, the next thing that they do is they reach out to me and say, hey, man, are you available on you know December 22nd? Like that's that you want to get that mentality and that you you always want to be a necessity for them. Something else that I don't think a lot of people talk about just in general with second shooters is keeping angles in mind, like shooting angles. And what I mean by that is you want to make your shots look different than the lead shooter. So I think understanding this concept, I mean, it's probably a lot easier, but for me, it was a hard one to grasp because I felt like I needed to be on the like complete opposite side of you, like shooting the same thing. But from, me. Yeah, I mean, essentially, me. I just don't even know what I was thinking. It was just like shooting from a different vantage point. I was like, why would you need two shots of the same thing? But I wasn't understanding at the time that having different focal lengths really plays into storytelling. And I mean, I guess you know, that's all part of the learning experience. Yeah. So, I mean, don't, don't stand right next to the lead shooter and then take the same exact angle with the same exact <laughs> shot like that. That's really hard to edit. Trust me. So the, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so just so everybody understands typically when we were on the GH fives, uh, you were, you were on a 90 and I was on the 50. And now that we have the S5s, I'm on the 85 and she's on the 35. So we were shooting on two completely different focal lengths to kind of, you know, weave that story together. And if what I would notice is Brit would be like 12 feet behind me with the 90 getting the same exact shot that I was getting with the 50 from where I was standing. So it would be, yeah, it was framed the same way. Like it was communication is mm, we gonna get to that next, <laughs> but yeah, no, like it's, it's so when it comes to shooting angles, even if you're separated by like 15 feet left or right, like that creates a different angle and that gives them something else to work with for you to cut between shots and that kind of stuff. So always be thinking about the other angle and then also don't overshoot. I, I can't stress that one enough. You know, you don't want to 
shoot a thousand files, like shoot, have a thousand files to get back and edit. That's not going to be good either. And I know that a lot of people think like shoot everything and that kind of stuff. And that's all well and good until you got seven hours worth of footage you're trying to call through to make a six minute highlight film or don't shoot 15 minute long clips either. Like that. Was so <laughs> if you're not picking up on the subtleties here, I have definitely been a greenhorn when it came to second shooting. Like I was, and I mean, I wouldn't even say to this day that I'm like a pro second shooter by any means. There've been some definite learning curves and challenges and just learning on the job. And um, I think that to go along with what you're saying about shooting everything, I think with experience comes a confidence in your shooting that you don't feel the need to capture everything. You're like, oh, she's just getting her hair brushed or her hair pinned back or whatever. Like you don't need everything. But as you get more confident, you get confident in your shots. So, I mean, you can rag all you want on the long footage, but... Yeah, so just to kind of put this in perspective, Brittany used to take five-minute clips. Mm. That's not a joke. And if you've ever tried to sit through a five-minute clip of bride prep uh, <laughs> and pick out the good parts, it's it's kind of tedious. So don't do that. And a good rule of thumb is three to five seconds. You take shots that are three to five seconds. Three to five seconds, now you've moved to another angle. Three to five seconds. Three to five seconds. Three to five seconds. And then that is significantly easier to edit on the back end. Uh, and that that just goes across the board. So even if you're you're just starting out doing wedding filmmaking, three to five seconds. Keep your clips, you know, three to five seconds, three to five seconds, three to five seconds. Because if, you, if you're shooting at 60 frames a second, a three to five second clip is like, eight to 10. So you have plenty to work with in that clip. You know, I, I think the original goal was, uh, eight second shots. Yeah. Eight. It was counting to eight, but, uh, eight Mississippi. Yeah. It was those eight Mississippis, but just, just stick to three to five seconds and you, you should be okay. Um, but make sure that's like in focus and like the actual clip is three to five seconds long, not I'm getting adjusted for three to five seconds and that's good. Yeah. So in our last two podcast episodes, we talked about why your image stinks. So if you're confused on what getting something in focus is or what good exposure is, that kind of stuff, we talk about all that in the last two episodes. I think that's episodes 13 and 14. It's a two part mini series. Yeah. Yeah. I try. Uh, all right, so let's talk about communication. <laughs> so communicating with the lead and vice versa will make or break your day. Like that, that is a, it is unbelievably important to communicate. I would argue that you need to over communicate, that you you need to really be discussing what's going on, why you're doing stuff, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That way, you're both on the same page with everything. And I just, I don't want people, you can't assume that the lead shooter 
knows what you're going to do or that you know what the lead shooter is going to do. This goes, communication goes both ways. It's not a, you know, it's not a one way, you know, feedback loop. It's just, you, you need to be talking to each other throughout the day. And I also think that a big, what do you, what? I'm just thinking of a very specific story that comes to mind when we were filming one wedding and we were kind of like really tight on the wings with room and I was in charge of one camera on the groom Mm. (laughs) and you asked me if everything was good and I said it was so you didn't go check that camera and we had banding through the entire clip. Yeah, I think it was rolling shutter. Rolling shutter. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm pretty sure I'm I'm almost 100% sure that the shutter speed that Brittany, so it went. 24 frames a second Britney's shutter speed was at like six like that's that's my thought process and that's what I'm sticking to it because it's it was yeah it was crazy and it was been some major growing pains and issues with communication yeah but so here's you know we we were doing a coaching call with with somebody a, a couple of weeks ago. I don't want to name drop White and Reverie, and uh, but we we were talking to to Kalen and he was like, "Why do you have five cameras?" And this is why we got five cameras. So like, that's you got one camera that doesn't work. You got four more you can fall back to. Now, mind you, again, that also goes with experience because. As you become more experienced, you know that you are going to get, say, three cameras set up correctly. So you don't need the other two. So I'm not saying rush out and buy a bunch of cameras. It's just we we were in a position to where, you know, we, we purchased these new S5s and we sold a bunch of other equipment to make up for it. So we, you know, we're kind of breaking even with stuff. But, um, you know, that it's it's important to have completely different tangent now that we're talking about this it's really important to have at least two angles during the ceremony yeah but but what i was going at was communication you had asked me if everything was good i said it was it was walkie talkies too so that's the other thing like we have these high speed secret service walkie talkies and we never use them (laughs) so well we should because like there's you know talking about communication you know we were we were doing another wedding where uh I'm trying to remember, I was doing all of the other cameras and you were like stuck behind one. Stuck behind <laughs> a pew in the corner. So it's, it, it's communication is very, very important. And I mean, that even means communicating before the wedding. So it's really important that everybody knows like the itinerary, that if you are the lead shooter, that you have clearly communicated your goals and expectations to the person, you know, prior to shooting. And as the second shooter, you want to make sure that you understand the goals and that kind of stuff prior to shooting. Like that's really important because you never want to get there and be confused on what you think the day is going to play out like. So, you know, that, that communication, I can't stress this enough. Communication goes both ways. Like, that's the other thing. Like I didn't get, I wasn't mad at Brittany. I mean, I, I was mad oh, yeah. for a minute when seen I seen the, the footage. Review the footage. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I could, that's, you can't fix that. Like that, there is nothing that you can do to fix something like that. There's no trick in the book. I know I tried. There's no software you can buy, but we fell back to other angles. So it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world. Um, uh, one thing that you also need to talk about with the lead shooter is what you can do with the images. 
So can you post those images to Facebook or Instagram? Do you have to wait four months before you can do it? Can you not tag anybody in the, in the images? You know, that's, that's really important to talk to too. And then lastly, I just want to, something I was thinking about when we were sitting here was I think that doing what we call an after action report is a, is a really, really beneficial thing. Now we, for me personally, we do it. We're, we're a little, I'm a little stringent with ours because what, what I like to do is as soon as we come home from the wedding, regardless of what time it is, we'll offload all of the footage and then we'll go through the footage and we'll discuss it. And that's not like this shot stunk and you know, that kind of stuff. It's these shots looked really well. You know, what were we doing during that part? Or these shots didn't like this, this shot wasn't framed right, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's, and then we, we try to figure out what we did wrong and what we can do to fix it. And if you're a second shooter, I would highly encourage you to get together with the lead shooter maybe a week after the wedding and go through the footage and just kind of walk through what they thought was good and what they thought was bad. Cause one, you're probably going to learn a lot. And two, you're going to also learn how that person shoots because they're going to critique it like they would if they were looking at their own footage. So now you're going to really understand like what exactly that they're looking for and that kind of stuff. Plus that'll really help you in the long run in your own business. Yeah. I mean, just to add, I think obviously the sooner, the better. I mean, obviously a week isn't that long out, but I think what really helps us, and this is for also storyboarding is to jot down notes and to think about, you know, how this wedding is different from other weddings what were the important thing? I mean, this is more for editing, but it's important if you're going to be storytelling to have not only an after action report of footage, but just how the day went down when it comes to like, I don't know, like, moving from point A to point B and how you guys worked effectively as a team or how, where there was room for improvement or things that caught you off guard, how you could anticipate them better next time, or I don't know, just anything in that. Yeah, no, I mean, and and after action report should cover a whole litany of things. It shouldn't just be like, hey, these 10 shots are good and these 10 shots weren't. It should it should really be kind of a, an overview of what you guys did during the day, what worked well, what didn't work well, you know, what what barriers failed, what barriers worked. Like you should you should really be talking about a bunch of different things. And what you'll notice is you'll become more effective as a second shooter with that lead, just in general. And then also that kind of solidifies how serious you're taking it too. Because if you're reaching out to somebody saying, hey, I'd like to, you know, take an hour or two hours and kind of go over what went, what worked and what didn't work, you know, last Sunday. Like, I think that really kind of that that implants a seed with people that, you know, hey, this person really does care. So and that's again, you want to make yourself a necessity for the person. I can't keep stressing that enough. Anything else? No. 
being receptive to it. Um, like you've said, feedback is a gift. I know that it's not always easy to hear that like, oh, that shot wasn't great or, you know, whatever, but it's an opportunity to learn and to improve. Yeah. So just kind of to wrap things up, you know, being a second shooter is a really great way to learn from people who have been doing this for a while. Um, but I think that you have to put work into it too. You can't just show up on a wedding day, you know, with your iPhone 12 and be like, Hey, I'm here. Like, that's just, it's really important to, I don't know. I just made that up right now. I think that it's really important to remember to to serve the lead shooter just like you would the couple. Like you got to remember that you're technically their employee. So that's, you know, that's, that's a mindset that you, you need to have. Um, you need to make sure that you're on time. You need to make sure that you're motivated. You need to make sure that you communicate. And you also need to make sure that you're useful. So you want the lead to think of you as just an invaluable asset that they have to have with them at every wedding that they shoot. So if you like this video, uh, you know, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple or Spotify. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to us. You know, uh, I hope everybody is staying safe. I hope everybody's staying healthy and we will talk to you here in a couple weeks. Bye. Are you looking at a really nice camera you can't afford? Are you wondering how companies afford six red Monstro 8K cameras and all the trimmings? You need to make more money so you can buy one. No, I'm kidding. You need to rent. Renting equipment is way easier than you think. You can ship it all back and forth from your house and it's way cheaper than buying. Best of all, you should include the rental cost in your pricing to pass on the expense because you're shooting with better gear. Wouldn't it be great to use something other than a Canon SL2 for your next project? Rent a Sony a7S 3 or a Canon 1DX Mark III. You don't need to buy them. We rent additional cameras, lighting gear, and audio equipment all the time from Borrow Lenses. We've never had a late shipment or anything other than an awesome experience with their customer service. Use our affiliate link below to get renting today and you'll have professional equipment tomorrow.